Conversation with the King, Chapter 1. What did I get myself into? Well, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, icebreaker question to kick us off. Sure. If you can rewind time, right? Would you go to HU or would you go to HU? <laughs> I would still pick my same school. Huh? I would still pick Hampton. You still pick Hampton? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, um, the reason being is, you know, for I believe this. For every decision that you make in life, yeah, it'll lead you to the same place. So if I don't went to sure. Howard instead of going to Hampton, I wouldn't have known the same people. Um, would have come across the same people I probably would have mm-hmm. but it would have probably been in a different role so yeah. I'm just you know I actually had a scholarship to go to Howard and okay. I chose Hampton okay. over Howard you know uh-huh. they gave me a scholarship for, for merit so they gave you a scholarship for merit like merit scholarship based okay. on grades based on education yeah yeah academics yeah gotcha did, did not know that yeah, so I had like a five thousand dollars scholarship to go to Howard, and I still chose Hampton. And you still paid all the money for Hampton. You get a scholarship to Hampton. Nope. So you didn't take the money that the Black Ivy League school was giving you, nope. and you went to the private, <laughs> the I, private I went pirates. To, went to private pirates. <laughs> yep. I mean, because it, and the reason being is because I'm from the city. I'm from New York. So yeah. being from New York, um, you know, Howard was in the hood. Okay. Hampton was not in the hood. Okay. So I didn't want to leave one hood to go to another hood. You know, yeah, like, but you may be in the hood, but you're still in an environment where you get an education. So it's, it's a lot of schools that are in the hood. I believe um, in California, USC is in the middle of the hood. Like it's right around the corner from the theater where they used to film the Source Awards. It's in the middle of the hood, but that don't mean you're not going to go there and get a good education. Yeah, that that wasn't my mentality when I was younger. You know, I was yeah. just like, listen, I want to be in the environment hood for the next. Well, yeah, I wanted to be in, a, in an environment that I felt was a little bit safer. Yeah. Then um, being, you know, I didn't want to have to worry about getting robbed or shot or something like that. Not saying that. I mean, stuff happens, can happen anywhere. You know, all kind of crazy stuff happens down in Hampton. But, you know, um, at least I know that I would have felt a little safer. I felt safer. Yeah, because you you was on a closed campus. Yeah. So you felt a little bit better. Gotcha. All All right. right. So HU, it still is. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. So let's let's kick things off by learning about your family background and your family dynamic growing up. So explain that to us. What was what was that like? Sure. So my family dynamic. Um, I have uh, one sister. I have two um, uh, half brothers, uh, step brothers, however you want to call it, and I have um, my mom and dad. Okay. And were your parents married? Yes. Okay. And yeah. Your half brothers, they're with your father. Yes. Okay. Okay. And how did your how did your parents meet? Ooh, um, my mother's girlfriend actually hooked them up at some party up in the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're the oldest of all your siblings, or? No, I'm actually the youngest boy. Um, I have a younger sister and two older brothers. Gotcha. All right. Um, so. What was your relationship like with your father growing up? It was a good relationship. Um, he went to work every day. Um, I didn't realize that he was sick. Um, he had he was on dialysis pretty much um, 
like pretty much my whole life since like the early eighties. Mm. Um, he had lost a kidney. Um, he had uh, I think he was doing drugs and other stuff, and he got sick. Had to go to the hospital. Lost a kidney. Lost both kidneys. It was on dialysis like three days a week, you know, wow. for a short period of time. And then he actually went back to work while he was sick um, as an elevator inspector. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't know he was sick the whole time, so they never explained to you that he was sick, whether it was, you know, diabetes or whatever it was that caused his kidneys to fail? It was, um, I believe he has diabetes because he used to check his sugar all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. Um, so I believe he did have diabetes. And I know he had high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a combination of that as well as drugs ultimately um, led to him uh, losing his kidneys. So he lost both his kidneys? Yeah. Wow, so he was on dialysis for pretty much your whole life. Yeah, like over 20 something years. Oh, okay. And yeah. that's something that's, it, I mean, when he when he finally passed away, they pretty much say he was a medical marvel because, you know, most people who have dial- on dialysis, they, at the end of their lifespan, like maybe five years, and yeah. they can't do it. So he was a like pretty tough person to withstand that. Gotcha. Um, so how, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to formulate the right question. I'm trying to get an understanding of how was your role in the house with your father being sick? Like, did you still have to like take on any additional responsibility to help alleviate, you know, his, you know, what he couldn't do with his illness or did he just tuck through it and still hold down the house, hold down the house? He really, um, I think he tough to move it and just still kind of held down the house as best he um, could because he did odd jobs um, here and there. He was uh, self-taught with um, a whole lot of stuff. He was like a carpenter. Mm-hmm. He also um, fixed TVs, fixed and repaired TVs in the neighborhood. Um, and he uh, went, like he did, had a job as a security guard at one point. But at the same time, he was studying electronics. He knew how to um, build things from an engineering perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, he started working for the city of um, New York and um, did elevator inspections because previously, before, you know, um, I wasn't even thought, he actually um, was a elevator mechanic. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And how long ago did he pass away? Uh, almost 10 years. Wow. Now. Okay. So he was he wasn't allowed to be when he got married. No, he wasn't at the wedding. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He, well he was there in spirit, he just wasn't there. Yeah, he was there in spirit, but he wasn't physically there. You know, he did get to meet my wife though before he yeah. and he knew that, you know, she was someone that was good and knew that she would take care of me. So Well, that's excellent. Excellent. So let's jump into your fatherhood journey. How old were you when you became a dad for the first time? I was uh, thirty seven. By choice? Yeah, or you got lucky also. I mean, it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was by. Cho- I mean, of course, it was by choice. You know, and of course, I was. I was lucky to um, start a family with my wife. Um, and of course, you know, everybody said the story. You know, um, everybody had a situation, which is like, ooh, that kid's not my son. Yeah, type thing. So we all had that, but you know, um, I, it was definitely by choice. Good, good, good. And are you and your wife? You and your wife only have one child, right? Only have one child. Are you considering any more? No. 
Is there a reason why we just just only wanted one and one and done? Well, I mean, you know, really truly, I think we wanted two, but time passed, and I think the, the pregnancy, it wasn't tough per se, but I think it was a bit overwhelming. You mm-hmm. know, once we had our first, um, once we had our child, our daughter, and I think that it was just it was a lot going on. Yeah. So I I know. Part of the reason why the white pregnancy was tough is because she had sickle cell, correct? Yeah. So that's pretty much leading to your decision of not to track it down that way again. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you as as um as we get older, mm-hmm. it, it's the time all the time, you know, yeah. with older parents. And as an older parent, you know, um I know some people have their kids when they're like twenty, twenty one, mm-hmm. and we start now when most people are actually finishing Parent yeah. journey. They got grandkids and they got grandkids with a five, six year old. Yep, running around. So I'm like the old parent, but not really. Um, what I've noticed, um, taking her to school, that I'm not the oldest parent, yeah. but I'm one of the older ones that's yeah. um, running behind her. And she has a lot of energy. And it's just like, huh. yeah, well, I can't imagine two <laughs> or three. Well, being 40, like it kind of, it, it, you feel so old, have five year old, but 40 is relatively young. So that's that's the good thing about it, um, but I, you know, I, mean, I totally understand. Like I have two of them, and you know, be the same age, um, and so it's, it is a challenge. Like I do like to sleep, um, but you know, as long as I, the way I look at it, as long as I'm maintaining my health, then you know, I don't look at it, look at it as an issue. But I know with you, it's different because it's like you're that you, you know you're healthy in your life. So, you know, she has sickle cell, so I know things may be a little bit challenging for her. So, tell us about your experience being married to someone with sickle cell. Well, it's well, I'm gonna say the good. I'm gonna say the good first. The good thing is, um, with my wife, when we first got together, um, before we even married, the first thing she told me was, um, "You need to get tested and to see if you have the gene for mm-hmm. sickle cell." And she basically said, "If you have the gene for sickle cell." then there's not even going to be us at all. It's not even going to be a topic of discussion because she she has a twin brother who doesn't have sickle cell. He has a gene, but he doesn't have it at all. So mm. she grew up, she was very sickly. Um, she went to the hospital all the time, had to get transfusions and was always sick. And she didn't want that for her child. Yeah. So when um, looking at me, um, we got together and I'm pretty sure she did that with anybody else. She, um, she'll ask, do you know what your status is? And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. And she's like, well, do you know if you have the sickle cell gene or whatever? So I had to go to the doctor, get tested, and come back to her and say, here's the paper, I don't have it, here's the proof. Yeah. That I don't have it. And after that, then it was it was good. And then at the same time, <clears throat> she didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, she didn't let her sickness, um, she didn't use that as a crutch mm-hmm. at all. She still lived life to the, fullest um mm-hmm. she was able to i mean she's a world traveler she's actually um african mm-hmm. so she goes um back and forth to she's actually Ghanaian. Ghanaian, yeah yeah so okay. she actually travels back and forth um she traveled back and forth to ghana went on a couple of occasions and she basically told me it's like listen man, um me and you're gonna be together you need to have a passport you need to be able to be able to want to travel be able to travel around the world so because of that Mm-hmm. I got my passport. So, like I said, I don't think the sickness hindered us, you know, um, 
per se. Mm-hmm. I just know that when she gets sick, um, she goes down, she goes to the hospital, but um, in her adulthood, the sickle cell hasn't really affected her as much, it hasn't really affected her as much as um, other people. So it, it's not bad. I mean, when she gets sick, she's probably in the hospital maybe about a week okay. or two. Other than that, so so when she is sick and she's having um, a menstrual crisis, sick cell crisis, how do you explain that to your daughter? Um, we just let her know that mommy is sick mm-hmm. and that you know um, we're gonna have to go to the doctor. Okay, that's if we do go. Um, like in later years, we figured out how to manage it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Not manage the pain, but just you know when to go to the hospital. At what point do we go to the hospital? You know, gotcha. so do your wife like can she sense when the crisis is all about, are about to come on, or do they just happen spontaneously? They ha- they happen spontaneous. Um, so certain things I know that she can't do, like she can't do the cold. Yeah, at all. Like if it's too cold, she's standing outside waiting online. Mm-hmm. Whatever case is, it, it's 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 a wrap. She's gonna go into crisis. Yeah, you know, if not at that very moment. Later on in the day, or maybe the next day, she'll go into crisis because she was exposed to extreme, um, the extreme cold. So even with travel, we really wear cold. Yeah. Have you explained the sickle cell disease to your daughter yet? Do you think she's old enough to understand it? I mean, we got her a book. We read it um to her, but I still think she doesn't fully understand it, comprehend it as mm-hmm. of yet because she's still relatively young. I mean, she's only five. Yeah. And. We explain to us like why I'm sick, tell her what it is, and tell her um, how it affected, how it affects her, and everything. But she doesn't really understand. Gotcha. So what do you say? What, do you, what would you say are like some of the biggest challenge, biggest challenges that you know you face, and like you with your daughter face when your wife is having a crisis? Um, the fact that you know it's it's kind of scary because sometimes it's um you don't know if she's going to pass away. Mm. You know, that's one thing that I, um, that we think about all the time, you know, because now it's starting to affect her chest and her heart. Mm. And before it was just like her back yeah. and other things like her legs and stuff like that. So because it's her chest and her heart, we want to make sure that um, everything is good. Each time we go to the um, hospital and now that we are in Atlanta, um, she goes to, you know, she goes to Brady, which that's where she prefers to go. Yeah. Because they specialize in sickle cell. Gotcha. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a department dedicated to it. Each time we go to the hospital, we get more and more information about the disease and how to, like, they still don't know how to treat it, but just mm-hmm. give us information to how ways to prevent it or to sense it or to kind of manage the crisis a little bit better when to come in what to do. Yeah. So I wanna wanna jump back a little bit. You said that before you and your wife got together or before y'all decided to become an official couple that you had to go get tested. Um so that your your daughter having it wasn't a concern for for you with her, right? But or let me rephrase that question. Did you have a concern with your daughter having it even though you were tested and you didn't have the, the gene? No, that's not that's not the way I think. Um, but no, no. What I'm saying is that when your daughter was born, was her having sickle cell still a concern for you? 
she um so basically what was going through the process when she was pregnant we were going to the doctor um they basically did what was able to test um the baby mm-hmm. but they wouldn't know for sure until she was born yeah um if she would have it or not mm-hmm. and she definitely has the trait for it yeah and with the trait you still may have certain um symptoms okay but she's healthy little girl yeah so you know like knock on wood you know thank god so far so good you know she doesn't have any issues as it pertains to sick stuff what are what are some of the um some of the issues or some some of the symptoms that she could have or some of the symptoms that are common for someone with sickle cell um my daughter or my wife both so um my wife she could she has extreme fatigue she's always tired mm-hmm. you know and then she's weak um a lot and just um like j- just those two things either extreme tightness or extreme weakness or just you know um she could be a pain a lot of pain a steady pain because some some people's baseline for pain mm-hmm. could be like zero she's i don't think she's ever had a zero she's always at either a one or two okay gotcha so I know you said you had to make a lifestyle adjustment pretty much in moving from New York to Atlanta, which is a much warmer climate. What other lifestyle adjustments have you had to make, you know, to, you know, accommodate your wife to, you know, make life better for her, um, treating or dealing with the sickle cell? Uh, stress. I mean, stress is another thing. I mean, anything, any disease, stress is always going to be a, a factor. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to make sure, I'm trying to, have a relaxing environment okay. as much as possible, and <clears throat> just eating um, healthy, okay. drinking plenty of water, um, eating clean. Yeah. Uh, just making sure that you know get enough exercise, walking, things of that nature. You know, trying to encourage her to do these things, so that way um, her body could be as healthy as possible and as strong yeah. as possible. Um, also, we have to like. Those are some of the things we have to adjust, other things that we can't do. Like, if we wanted to, she's from Ghana. If we wanted to go back to Ghana and live there, she wouldn't, she's not willing to do that because she's um, fearing if she goes in a crisis, they're not going to really be able to treat sure. her over there. You know, and we actually, was so like back in 2019, we were there, she went in the crisis and she had to go to the hospital. And I seen it for myself that. Excuse me. Um, over there, you have to pay for everything. So okay. when when you're there, they they have you pay for oxygen, pay for the sheets, pay for pillow, pay for room, any test they um they run, got to pay for the needles, pay for the tubes, pay for the papers, like you pay for eight for so staples. That's be expensive. And then and before they even do the test, you have you to have pay. pay. You have to pay. Yeah, you have to pay first. So it's no. So is there like a? Um, I'm not guessing it. I know that. So this question, like some global insurance, or being that her family is there, she I can she can she get like an insurance there for when she does travel, so no. they they be covered. It's it's basically um, if you got money, you good. If you don't got money, yeah. you SOL. Yeah. Even for the oxygen tank, they it was like, oh, um, oh, you don't you want to pay this? Okay, take oxygen tank. You know they'll they'll take it from you. Wow. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, how do you prioritize your own self-care, being that you have to care for your wife 
you know, that, that deals with this? I mean, I know that um, in order for, and if she goes out, I have to be healthy, I have to make sure that I'm strong, so I try to eat right, I try to, you know, exercise, I try to diet, I try to do all those things for myself to make sure that at least when she goes down, I'm up and I'm strong and I have to um, be patient and just more understanding and just know that um, I have to do more when she's down as far as making sure I take care of my daughter, make sure that she's good, get her to school, get her right, you know, and then try to get, you know, assistance from people that's um, down there mm -hmm. and in our village to make sure that, you know, um, we all kind of come together when my wife goes down. What impact does this have on you, like her having this illness? Like, is it a heavy lift on you? Do you feel like it? No, I mean, I've, I've adjusted to it, but I think it's very stressful. Have you have you communicated to your wife how you like feel like sometimes when she is going through a crisis, or like your concern, or you know, you worried or anything like that? Well, I usually wait until she's better. Yeah, I don't want to stress her out anymore. Of course, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's it's for me it's scary because I don't know at what point she can go into crisis and then mm -hmm. she could possibly pass away. Yeah, you know. So like, I'm always thinking that and you know people with sickle cell they don't have a very their lifespan is not going to be as lengthy as someone who doesn't have the disease mm -hmm. you know and then um, unfortunately there's no cure for it yeah. but there's things you can do I think there's like a bone marrow transplant you can do to um, be cured of it mm -hmm. but you know she's we, we looked at the option and they say that it's too risky it's not worth the risk gotcha. um, to do it, so it's just, just pretty much um, only thing you can do with sickle cell is pain management. That's it, and they they give them give people with sickle cell um, medication that's like um, oxy and Percocet, mm -hmm. whatever case is. And she doesn't like taking it at all. She takes yeah. it if she absolutely needs to. They actually subscribe it to her. Like we'll have just. You have it there just in case. Well, have it there just in case, you know, just in case. And then she'll take it and wait, you know, but they give her pills to, you know, anytime she has pain, they just say, pop a pill. Yeah. She doesn't want to be, you know, one of the people that's always popping pills. Have you found any um, particular, like, resources or support groups that are more helpful in helping you to navigate, you know, your life as a spouse and, you know, explaining to your daughter and just dealing with the the dudes with your wife? No, I haven't. She is a part of a Facebook group, mm -hmm. um, sickle cell group, support group herself, but I'm not. Yeah. So, what advice would you give someone who is considering a relationship with someone who has sickle cell or any, any disease? Well, um, I would definitely let them know that they have to be um, understanding mm -hmm. and patient and just um, aware that Every day is not going to be a good day. There's going to be some days or some plans that's made that it's going to be broken or has to, you know, deviate or change on account of someone um, that's in your life that may be um, sickly. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would let them know to try your best to be patient and understanding um, with that. Also, to make sure that they they themselves maintain a healthy lifestyle and try to, you know, help help their their mate to be um, healthy as well, a healthy life. In a sense, and do whatever they can to to really um, 
encouraged him to, I'm not going to say want to be here, but it just encouraged him to, you know, as much as possible from a, you know, being a comfort and being a, a rest and that, you know, adding to that stress. Yeah. All right. Um, what do you wish more people understood about sickle cell that is not widely discussed or not, not widely supported, shall I say? Um, I, I really wish that um, people understand that when um, people with sickle cell go in crisis, that mm-hmm. it, it's it's not their fault. It's not something that they control, and it's something that's going to come on all of a sudden without um, rhyme or reason, without even wanting. And yeah. Just, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my back, oh, my chest, whatever, and I fake it. It's just like, yo, like, you good? Like, what's, what's wrong, right? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's something that's going to come all of a sudden, but at the same time, you have to, you know, make sure that people, like, the, some of the things that are, could be triggers, you got to try to minimize that as much as possible. Yeah. Like, the cold, like, I know the cold is definitely one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this New York weather up here. Yeah. She's like, she allergic to the cold. Yeah, she don't want to come up here because it's so cold. <laughs> yeah. And how, how long y'all been in Atlanta now? Two years. Two years? Yeah. How many crises have she had since y'all been down there? Two. Okay. I think she's been in the hospital twice. Okay. And what's, what's usually the hospital in the length of time she's there? Uh, three to four days, maybe. Okay. That's any time. Yeah. Three to four days. Okay, and she's there until they get it under control and get it, get it balanced, and then she's back home. Mm-hmm. How long does it take for her to get like back to normal once she's back home? A day or so. Okay. So she's back to being mommy all over again and giving you a break from being daddy. Well, not, <laughs> not a break, but just, you know. A break from being a full-time daddy, like, because I... I, I being mommy imagine, and daddy, yeah. Yeah, I could imagine that, you know, it's, it's a challenge, like, you're you're stressing, you know, dealing with dealing with your wife going through going through the crisis, and you you worried about her and trying to figure out how you can support her. But at the same time, you know, you still have to take care of the child. The child still needs to eat. They still need to get to school. They still need to, you know, take a bath. You know, you have a daughter. You might need to do her hair. Like it knows a lot of things okay. that you have to do. So that's what I meant by you know, give you give you the break or get. Oh man, I, I did I did have to do my daughter's hair. That was a that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. My wife was on the phone in the hospital telling me how to do a hair yeah. when, before we moved. And I'm sitting there, I was like, I never did this before. She's like, Yeah, you're gonna learn today. So I sat there and I was like combing the hair out. Like, it's a lot of work. She yeah. looked at me a lot. Like, yeah, that's what that's what mommies do. So yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So I, I did a hair, I greased it, I combed it out, I brushed it, all that stuff. I was like, Man, this is it's too much and I'm slow with a lot of stuff, so it took me an extra long to do it. Like, so then I would probably take my wife half an hour. It took me like two hours. Yeah. And I was just like, man. And then she was younger, so she didn't want to sit still. She didn't want to listen. I was like, Ugh. so I would say that's probably the, the biggest challenge. Now that my daughter's older, she's a little bit more independent. Yeah. So she's willing to, like, she, if I give her time, she'll sit still while I do it here. It's, it's fine. You know, even when she was younger, she still was relatively patient with me while I was doing the hair. So yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad experience. So what you do? You just do one one little ponytail, or yeah, she get like <laughs> I'm, I'm like yeah, that's it. 
That's yeah. that's that's the go to for most dads. Hey, that hey, it's either like one or two ponytails well, or Afro puffs or whatever. Surely Afro puffs. Yeah. And then I have to bleach her hair. I have to make sure like I moisturize her hair, a scalp. Yeah. And everything. You know what I mean? My wife was trying all these different concoctions, whatever. Um and I hear and I was like so I have to find the stuff, find out where it is, get the right comb, get the right brush, yeah, get the um the balls, you know, you know, little bolos, you know what I mean? So yeah. All that other fun stuff that I had no idea yeah. um, what it was. It's like, uh, but, you know, I'm very involved with my daughter. I give her a bath pretty much. Um, I bathe her, brush her teeth, read her story, I do all that stuff on a nightly basis. So Yeah, so it's, it's like, like it's part for the course. Yeah, right. so it's just like a little extra I got to do is not a big thing. Yeah, well, I think you enlightened us on, on a lot, um, especially dealing with someone with sickle cell and just a little bit about about the, the disease itself and understanding that the crisis can happen at any time. You just got to be supportive for your spouse. Um, and like thinking about it, I'm just thinking like any disease. So whether it's sickle cell or whether it's diabetes or, you know, whatever, there's someone out there that has a spouse or in a relationship with someone that has disease. Just got to understand that you got to be beyond supportive, especially if you're in an environment or in a situation where you have children because you have, you know, have to take, make sure those children are taken care of as well as making sure your partner is taken care of. So, um, any final thoughts? Yeah, just make sure you take care of yourself. <laughs> so that way, you know, you don't, um, like, ask those questions um, when, you like, when you intentionally date. Make sure yeah. you're asking those questions. Make sure that, you know, you're open to, you know, whatever that person may tell you. Because it could yeah. be anything. It could be a mental thing. Yeah. You know, it could be a physical thing. Mm-hmm. It, could, um, it could be a number of things. It could be an emotional thing. Yeah. That they may suffer from. And you just got to be willing to be supportive. And if you think you could take that on, then, you know, you're going to take that person on, um, you know, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Just be prepared that it's um, sometimes... Those days and those nights could be even more. Yeah. You know, but just be patient and be open. Yeah. I can't disagree with you at any point whatsoever there. I agree. All right. Well, that's that's it. Thank you, man. No problem. All right. See, painless, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And your wife ain't going to kill you for for talking junk about her. Nah, I ain't saying anything crazy. (laughs)